Hey, my friend, welcome to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. My name is Lori Seitz. I'm an entrepreneur, mentor, founder of Zen Rabbit, and your instigator in saying, fuck being fine. This show is for those of you who are done living with the dumpster fire and are ready to find the tools and courage to transform, to step into more success and fulfillment in both your personal and business life. You're in the right place for stories of self-discovery, gratitude, and connection. And to help you strengthen that connection to your own inner guidance, you'll find each episode has an accompanying meditation. Now let's get into it. Today, my guest is Elizabeth Wesley Kissella. Elizabeth is the founder and CEO of L12 Services, a Washington, D.C. firm focused on internal communications and organizational development. She and I met a few months ago at a brunch organized by our mutual friend, Jeanette Gallardo. You may remember, Jeanette's the one who turned the tables and interviewed me for episode 25. Elizabeth and I are talking about the downside of growing up valuing social justice, the discomfort of celebrating your wins, and what happens when your calendar looks like Walt Disney threw up on it. Hear who she wants to be when she was growing up and how she's doing with visualizing that person now. With more than 20 years of experience as an administrator and policy and programming consultant, Elizabeth works with businesses to improve workflow, processes, and culture by leveraging the institutional knowledge of existing team members. Based on what she said about the importance of social justice in her upbringing, it makes sense that one of her favorite quotes is, act as if what you do makes a difference. It does. Listen, if after listening to this episode, you can relate to Elizabeth's overbooked schedule and lack of personal care time, and you're ready to add a bit more peace and groundedness to your life, I can help. Pop over to the zenrabbit.com webpage and sign up for my VIP list. That way, you'll be the first to get all the tools and tips on finding calm amidst the chaos of life. Hello and welcome to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. My guest today is Elizabeth Wellesley Casella. I'm so excited for you to join us today. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. <clears throat> Pardon the frog in my throat. It is great yeah. to be here. So let's just jump right into the first question that I like to ask, and that is, what were the beliefs and values that were instilled in you as you were growing up? My folks were really good about instilling the social justice values of the 70s um, and giving me great examples of right and wrong. They both came from families where they were, um, where they made it onto the scene when the parents were a little older. So my mom's dad was born in 1900. So we had some pretty strong values um, you know, instilled in all of us all the way down the line. The, the, the Catter genealogy, I think that we all got a really early introduction to social justice, anti-bigotry, um, you know, inclusion, way before a lot of that was, um, you know, a, a common conversation. Um, so I'm really proud of that. I, I really appreciate that from my grandfather, knowing that he went through a lot of uh, periods where um, social unrest was uh, happening in, in 
from my understanding, he managed them in a way that makes me Yeah, proud. that's so cool. My grandfather, my one grandfather was born in, it's debatable, 1896 or 95, something like that. So similar time frame that they lived through with the, the social justice. And I remember him telling stories about working with, what was that guy's name? I remember from history, Samuel Gompers with the labor. Really? Yeah, the, um, getting like justice for workers. Yeah, I don't know if he worked yeah, with him like yeah. one to one or if he was like, you know, in his aura somewhere. <laughs> it runs yeah, off on Yeah, him. right. It was so fascinating, right? How, I mean, that's like almost two different centuries. And so then how, how, how did those values of social justice play out as you grew up and started your career? The upside is it made me really interested in and aware of diversity, diversity of thought, diversity of skin color, you know, all of the various diversity that we have going on. Um, the downside though, is that it also led me to a lot of black and white thinking. So good and bad there was no real gray area um and that you know translated into the goals that i set for myself and the expectations that i had and whether or not i was successful and you know eating disorders in the ni whole nine yards so so I've, I've struggled with um finding a happy medium in some areas where i need to be more balanced how did you define success before and how do you define it now? I defined success as being um, the, the very busy, the always sought after, the one thought leader, um, you know, the best. And I understood that that wasn't realistic. It's not as though I'm the only person that does what I do. I was never going to be the thinnest or the prettiest or the smartest or the fastest or the but always striving for that um, seemed to be my MO. And uh, you know, a lot of people will call that a type A personality. I don't think I'm a type A personality because I'm really good at being chill. I'm really good at making space for people where they can be comfortable and you know, goofy and all of that. But um, the idea that my business needed to be up and running and, you know, making a, a significant revenue by a certain amount of time, or I needed to have a certain number of people on my team. And once I had the people on my team, then I needed to be able to provide them extra goodies. Like there was never a point at which I was going to reach success and say, Hey, goal, goal met. I feel good about everything. Time to relax a little bit. Are you better at that now? I am now, but you know, it's taken me years to, to get here. Um, and, and some, you know, existential kicks to the Yeah, head. I gotcha. <laughs> I know. I mean, don't feel badly because we all, we've, we've all, we're all been there. <laughs> some people are still there and that's what we're doing with the show in part is, you know, helping them evolve to, okay, you don't have to put yourself through the ringer like that define success in that way can we reevaluate what that is you know I was listening to uh I don't know where I heard it uh, actually I think it was Brendan Burchard was talking about integrating your wins and celebrating not just celebrating them but which is a whole thing like we don't do that enough either right we like you said we every milestone is like, okay, so I reached that, what's next? Reach that, what's next? There's always something else. And so we never sit and celebrate or even celebrate, appreciate 
acknowledge even the wins. Oh, yeah. And so he was talking about integrating the wins, really sitting, recognizing what you've accomplished and appreciating, like feeling the gratitude for it. And I think that there's a disconnect and a level of discomfort when people consider celebrating their wins. I think that the disconnect is that celebration means external gratification. Like you need to blast it out on social media and tell everybody that you had this $30 million month or whatever it was. And, and the, the disconnect for um, understanding that celebrating and pausing and feeling it is an internal piece that's really necessary. It's, it's a grounding and a gratitude piece that um, really kind of starts to build balance in and, and creates harmony and sometimes clarifies perspective. Yes, yes. You're speaking my language and you're using the, my words, gratitude and groundedness and yes, <laughs> all that. Right, right. Because when you really start looking at success, like the definition of it, and we've talked about this on different shows, on past shows too. Everybody has their own definition of success. There's not an external definition that you can apply to yourself and say, oh, you know, like a off the shelf version of it. Right. And, and for me, the um, idea of success when people would talk about, yes, integrate all of the, the joy in your life and the peace and the yoga and the meditation and the family and I think that's absolutely right, and I'll do it when yes, I get to that next yes. place. I, I haven't earned that yet, it, and it's you know, it's a form of soft skills, and I'm a big believer in soft skills. Why I couldn't apply them to my own life in this certain area is really something um, I'll probably be thinking about for a while. Maybe not the why. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole but maybe the yes, how-to. I love that. And I will join you on that journey because... Okay. <laughs> yeah, and I, I'm willing to bet a lot of my listeners will join on that journey too because we have this vision of, okay, this makes sense for, for everyone else. Not for me because I am somehow special and I don't mean that in an egotistical special way. Just it doesn't apply to me. I will do it when I get to the next stop, like you said. Uh, but, but for everybody else, you should be celebrating and integrating your wins right now. <laughs> yes. Do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, so tell me some of the things that you've done to move from where you were to where you are now on this journey. Ooh, the one that is immediately top of mind is the one that I'm really actively working on and struggling with to a certain degree, um, but it's managing my calendar. I color code everything and my previous idea of the road to success meant that it looked like Walt Disney threw up <laughs> on the calendar. There was just color everywhere and there were no spaces in between meetings and it was, you know, 10 to 14 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, and I'm not exaggerating there for a good, you know, two, three years, I was doing 14 hours a day, seven days a week and it was bananas. Part of it, I will, you know, readily admit, um, rolling into the whole pandemic and isolation thing, I think it was a way for me to manage my fear. So the more I worked, the less time I had to listen to everything else that was going on around me. Like, give me the major points. I got to wear a mask. I got to social distance. I got to, you know, figure out how to order groceries. Um, but 
the the other piece of that was that I had been working my entire life thinking successful people are these over scheduled you know chronically busy never never stopping never you know always moving and now what I'm doing and and it's hard is I'm learning how to say no or I'm learning how to be comfortable with saying yes however there needs to be a block of time later down the road i can't get to that right now um whether it's i can't get to that right now because i've got other work or because i won't be able to keep my sanity or because i need more rest um and we can get into that later the the point is that my calendar is now actively blocked way in advance where my phone calls are on two days and then the other three days i'm putting chunks of time in there where they're just focus time, whether it means that I'm taking that time to write up meeting notes from the day's previous meetings, or I'm banging out that task list, or it's just a time where I can focus and work on one project. I'm much more productive and sane, um, even though I have to, to feel a little bit uncomfortable while I'm moving into this and turning it into a habit. It, it is going to be uncomfortable because you're creating new habits, like you said, new pathways in your brain, new ways of thinking, and overriding those old ways of thinking is, is hard because they've all those years of doing it that way. Yeah, it's, it, it's almost as though it was that almost addiction model where there was immediate gratification if I was just doing tasks right then and there and from from different business models I've been part of you know whether it's you know executive assistance work that I've done or advocacy work that I've done there are pieces of that that are low-hanging fruit that you can just churn through and get done get done get done and the work that I do now is more strategic and planning and relationship development um, I'm counseling people how to create an ecosystem that, you know, helps um, their teams want to stay on board at their business, basically, you know, preventing and reversing the great resignation. So that requires thought and time and space rather than blocked time to, to perform tasks. Now, since I run my business and I manage my team, I do have to have some of that time in there, but that means I need to honor that. I need to honor the work that I do and I need to be gracious yet firm about my boundaries when it comes to external things like networking or volunteering or you know you name it and and not being able to do that immediately um, or put it on the calendar with no time in between is is um, a, a new framing of what my being successful looks like because it's not immediate gratification it doesn't always feel yes good. I love that you use the word boundaries because that's that is a big important thing to point out here. Boundaries important. Yeah, I get it. You don't like them. Okay. <laughs> Still so important. And what you're doing for your clients, you have to also be implementing for yourself, right? It's interesting to me that what you're talking about, I don't want to say struggling, what you're challenged with learning is kind of what you're stepping into these organizations to help them with. Yes, and I really, back to that black and white thinking, I don't want to be the situation where the cobbler's children mm -hmm. have no shoes. 
Um, if I can't walk the walk with my small team, how can I give people advice with their larger teams? Um, and, you know, it's, it's the same thing, I think, with a lot of professions, especially service professions. You know, bookkeepers, they're always the, the last yeah. to do their own books and, and so on. Yeah, I feel like, though, that when you can show the universe, this is how I am being, it gives you more opportunities to have clients have, you know, help others do the same thing. Yes, you can help them even if you're not doing it yourself, but you can help them in a, a greater way when you are, when you are being, uh, what, in integrity? <laughs> Is that the best way to put it? <laughs> yes. Yes. And, and my, it's funny that you say that because the, the definition of success that I used to hold was not in alignment with the vision that I always had of who I wanted to be when I was a grown up. I wanted to be, you know, cool breeze, walk in the room and shake the hands and smile and talk to people and have a general energy of relaxed and happy and people would want to be with me because that attracted them to a space that was, you know, calming and, and they felt as though they were in the hands of someone who was being vulnerable and open and if, if I look at that and I look at the, the task list, you know, heavy side of me, that's not what that person was. That was a raving chipmunk with their <laughs> hair on fire. Like that person was the go-getter, but never would have produced a sense of calm in another human being. So getting more in alignment with the, the person that I wanted to be, even though I don't have the opportunity to go out and wear the clothes that I dreamed about, I will when we all can. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting that you had this idea of who do I want to be? And, you know, we ask children, what do you want to be? when you grow up, but not who. And I like the who question much yeah. more. It's so much more powerful and flexible. <laughs> it, it had a foundation. There's a, a weird memory that's just burned into my brain and it's a moment in time. It's not a full, I don't even know where we were, but it's a picture of my mom when I think she was her uh, most beautiful uh, through little girl eyes. and that person made me feel that way and the way that she looked at the time though it was the 70s um you know it, just like that that glowing aura that she carried with her and so when i picture myself down the road or now or whatever and and i'm thinking that's that's going to be my successful speaking event i'm gonna you know i'm gonna impart some wisdom i'm gonna make people laugh i'm gonna um, you know, come on stage and, and just be relaxed. I'm, you know, in a bone white suit. I'm wearing navy pumps. Like, I've got the whole thing down. The whole visualization. <laughs> that's what needs, that's what you need to have to make it happen. Perfect. Yes. Thanks, Mom. Yes. <laughs> Fabulous. Okay. So you alluded to some things that came out of not being fine, not having that packed calendar that version of success that wasn't true success. What happened? Yeah. Well, I, I, during that period, I thought I was fine. And it was. It was no longer fine. It was like, I'm fine. Everybody goes through this. Everybody slogs through this. Everybody's, you know, suffering or dealing with trauma right now. This is just the way that the world is. And I was working extraordinarily hard and not listening to both my psychological health but I wasn't listening to my body, which ended up being more important. Um, I found myself um, 
feeling awful during a, a business trip. Um, it was my first business trip. It was supposed to be post-pandemic <laughs> at that point, but it was actually the beginning of the the uh, peak for Delta. And I, you know, created workshops and set up meetings and flew out to the West Coast. And I was going to be gone for a month. And I got to Portland and watched my calendar disintegrate and couldn't figure out why while I was in the taxi. And when I got to the hotel, it was the news was starting to talk about the spike and all of the you know, measures that were going to have to go into place and, and people just didn't feel comfortable with each other. So um, there I was in a hotel room that I paid for for a month and I thought, okay, this will be my Walden Pond moment. I'll, I'll use this to really dig and think and strategize and all that. And I just, I didn't feel good in my body and I kept thinking, when was the last time I actually felt good? And I couldn't remember. And that like freaked me out. So while I was kind of going through that, that mental jujitsu, um, I realized that the time I was taking that I thought I was going to be decompressing wasn't making me feel better either. So I made an appointment with my doctor for when I knew I was landing back here in DC. And it turned out that um, I actually had ovarian what? cancer. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, I can't connect the dots and say my crazy schedule and my, my out of balance ideals caused cancer. But what I can say is there's a place in between where my body was so broken down that it created a happy environment mm -hmm. for d a disease state. And if it wasn't cancer, maybe it would have been something else, but whatever it was, my body was saying, time out, not doing this anymore. Um, you, you really need to start paying attention and reprioritizing your values. We hear this all the time. Like when you are not listening to what's going on in your body, the messages get louder and louder until they, you cannot ignore them anymore. So I, I, you know, I went through the surgeries and all of this stuff and thankfully, um, they caught the type of cancer that it was at a stage where it was manageable and, um, I didn't have to go through chemo, which was great, um, but I did require several weeks of just down. Like I had to shutter the business for a couple months, which was terrifying um, coming from that old perspective. But during that process, I realized that I'm not a whole human being. I am a workhorse. And I don't have any of the other stuff that makes me really interesting or happy or fulfilled because I've lost sight of pursuing those things. And so I started thinking about, you know, what will it take to get back to being who I, not just who I expected to be at this age, but who I want to be at this age and how do I want to work? And, you know, really questioning whether or not all of the advice I've been given and all of the education that I've sought out and professional development that I've paid for, whether it was speaking to what I truly need to do in order for me to feel this new definition of successful that you and I are pursuing now. So um, I've decided that for me, the answer is cutting the noise. So, you know, I talked a little bit about the calendaring piece but that goes hand in hand with a lot of the things that I previously thought were really important and a must do that I'm letting go of. I'm not going to be 
on social media platforms posting multiple times a day just to get somebody's attention. I think that contributes to the noise. And I think that the noise is the problem. I listened and adopted too much of the noise and now I don't want to contribute to the noise. I'd like to occasionally post something that I think is really important. Maybe it's talking about how do we reduce the noise and what does that look like. Um, so I'm not saying I'm shuttering everything, but what I'm not doing is I'm not creating a, a funnel of perpetual motion. I don't think that, not only do I not think my clients are in that space, but I, I don't think that I'm contributing in any really valuable way because who has time to read all of the great content? Yeah, yeah, I'm feeling similarly because I don't, it's so much to consume. It's overwhelming to the brain and the, not just the brain, the entire body system. It comes in mm -hmm. through, you know, eyes, ears, overwhelms the brain and then overwhelms the rest of the systems in the body. We, it, it does not contribute to health, healthful conditions. No, and I think that it's one of the, well, not I think, I know it's one of the contributors to the attrition that we're experiencing now. I know people are tired of the phrase great resignation, but it is an easy way to have a common language. Um, we not only have all of the noise around us, but you know this kind of zeitgeisty level of noise everywhere also includes changing systems and and you know iterations and processes and you know all the things that we're working with to try and adapt quickly or in an agile like manner within our businesses i i'm glad that people are prioritizing their health and their well-being and their psychological well-being um, and and their joy to align with you know what they do or don't want to do um, I think there are ways that businesses can um, reduce uh, the the way that they contribute to noise. Um, but you know that that's a, a another subject matter. What I'm trying to say is human beings are getting hit at every angle. It's just like being bashed with a, a nerf bat. And something's got to give. And a lot of people <laughs> yeah, and a lot of people are choosing their work life. I mean, like, you're not going to get rid of your pets. You're not going to get rid of your kids. You're not going to get rid of your family. There are things that you like to do that you're not going to get rid of. What's the one most painful one? And a lot of people are saying that that's, that's you know, employment. Yeah, you know, job. going back to our, the, the age when our grandfathers were born and the amount of information coming at people 100 years ago or 120 years ago, they didn't get as much information in an an entire lifetime that we get in a day. And we're not designed yeah. for that. Well, it, it, they also didn't have gyms back then. If you wanted to exercise, go Right, the my grandfather was chopping wood <laughs> even when he was 90. Right, that's what they did. And he grew up on a farm and yes. So this ties into exactly what I'm teaching and going into companies and teaching is how to manage all of this overwhelm, this anxiety and overwhelm, people feeling like clowns are gonna jump out from behind a corner at any moment, and teaching them how to use gratitude, how to use meditation to, to calm their nervous system so they don't have to walk around mm -hmm. all the time feeling like their hair's on fire 
and they're terrified of what's gonna what's around the next corner right and and that fear being you know terrified about what's around the next corner to a certain degree has to do with control having a lack of control and you know if you and i were to go in and talk to an organization together you would be talking to the individuals about how to have control and manage that piece and i would be talking to leadership and saying there are things that you can do to create a sense of control and a sense of confidence in in your staff members you know problems within the organization most often are best solved by asking the people who do the work what is the current problem and why aren't we getting the results we want and letting them create the solution in between that and doing that not only clarifies what success is so the worker knows exactly what's expected of them but it creates a sense of investment as well because the worker has helped to create the steps that will get them to the solution which yes, means success. Yes, I was just going to say that. So Same, having right, that kind investment, of everybody is invested and whether you're doing that in a family or in a work environment, getting everyone's input, mm-hmm. one, gets them invested but two, gets you valuable information. That, like, it's not just the leaders right. who have the answers. Mm-hmm. Right. And a, a confident um, team will be the first to come up with innovative ideas because they know that they're not going to get slapped down. And they've actually enjoyed thinking through the process of whatever that solution might be. It might not always be the right one, but I guarantee you if they are comfortable, they have a sense of confidence, they feel a sense of trust in Um, you know, the relationship, they'll come back with more ideas. Yeah, that works in companies. As I said, it works in families. I can see it working in in, uh, classrooms. You know, let's get the students involved in, in, in invested in their own learning. Where, what's next for you? Well, you know, I think that one of the things that um, will be interesting for people to hear as I'm, you know, going down the road speaking or, you know, performing workshop work is to talk about what the next phase of, you know, post great resignation looks like. Um, And also, you know, really actionable ways to reduce the noise and, and create trust and confidence. I think that that's where my voice is, is probably going to have the, um, the, the greatest stage, so to speak, or amplification. Um, you know, I, I see where our work is applicable in a, a lot of different organizations, but to bring it back around to the personal life and to family life, I think what I'm going to be doing is taking those blocked times in my calendar and my newly found weekends and figuring out, <clears throat> excuse me, ways where I can develop myself and, you know, further develop my relationship with my husband. I mean, we've been together forever. So, you know, but there's always more to mine. He's growing alongside me. So, um, you know, I'm sure he has interesting things to say, many of which I probably missed out on by keeping my blinders on Mm -hmm. and my head down. Are you a Kenny Chesney fan? Uh, Sometimes. I I bring him (laughs) up because he has a song called Noise. Oh, it's I such didn't a, know yeah, that. and it's exactly what we're talking about right here, which leads me into my next question, which is, what is the song that you listen to when you need to get hyped up? What's your, you know, in baseball, it's a walk-up song, hype song. What, what, right? What's your song? 
For me, it's High Hopes by Panic oh, at the one. Disco. Good one. It's, have you seen the video? I can't say I can, I don't think I have. Now I'm going to have to go Check look as soon as YouTube. I turn off the recording. Yeah. Check it out on YouTube. It's, I mean, it's just cheerful all the way around. I know that there's, uh, you know, a, a tendency for Panic at the Disco to get a little dark in some of their videos. This is the antithesis of this. It's all just good, cool. good well, stuff. So, yeah. I all right. We'll put out. a link in the show notes. And also, I want to put a link in the show notes of where people can reach you. So where is that? How, if they want to continue a discussion with you. Oh, sure. So my, um, the website is l12services.com. It's L number one, number two, and services.com. Um, you can also find me on LinkedIn. I think I'm the only human with my name spelled the way that it is. Mom and dad messed up all my vowels, you know, when I was a child. So it's. Elizabeth with no E at the beginning, Wesley with the E's and kind of wrong spots, and then a hyphen Casella, C-A-S-E-L-L-A. Perfect. Yeah, like I said, we'll put that in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining me today on Fine is a Four-Letter Word. I've loved this. I always love talking to you, but this is going to be the highlight of my week. I just know it. Thank oh, you so pleasure. much. Take care. It's so cool that Elizabeth and I both had maternal grandfathers involved in the social justice movements back in the early 1900s. As always, there are some good key takeaways from this conversation. Here we go. Number one, you're going to hear me continue to talk about celebrating and integrating your wins. I'm saying it for your benefit as much as my own. Pause and feel the gratitude for your accomplishments, all of them from waking up on time to closing a million-dollar deal. You have earned it. This is the only way you're going to feel happiness, accomplishment, and fulfillment in life. There's no other way. So let's start doing it. Number two, success does not equal being overscheduled, chronically busy, always moving. Success involves saying no, or yes, but not right now. Elizabeth mentioned blocking her calendar in advance and adding chunks of focused time and how it's made her much more productive and saner. Successful people do not do everything simply because someone asks them to. I love that she is now redefining her success to include who she wants to be and not just tying it to what tasks she was able to check off her to-do list, like, as she said, a raving chipmunk. (laughs) Number three, once again, you got to hear a firsthand account of the universe putting a dramatic stop to the idea that running at full speed with no downtime is okay. The body is not designed to take that kind of abuse. There's a price to pay for running full speed and burning the candle at both ends. We have this idea that this advice only applies to other people and not to me. Instead of thinking you're a special snowflake who can get away with it, how about learning from Elizabeth's experience and Michelle's and Joanne's and Angela's from past episodes and taking time to decompress before you have to learn from a firsthand incident? Number four, think about how you can cut out or cut down the noise. There's so much coming at us all the time. You know this is what I teach corporate teams and private clients. Make the time and find ways to get quiet and calm your nervous system, whether through meditation or prayer or gardening or whatever it is for you. 
Go for a walk in nature without headphones. Put your phone in the other room for an hour. Because it's easy for me to stay on the computer all night right up until I go to bed, which is not good, I now have an alarm set to remind me to turn it off at 9.30 so I can get ready for bed and spend some time reading, which I love to do but have gotten away from. And number five, whether you're in a leadership role at work or at home or in a volunteer capacity, ask the people you're leading for help in creating solutions. That way, people know what's expected of them and feel a sense of investment and confidence. Elizabeth didn't mention it. However, she did give me a link to the L12 Services Attrition Prevention Survey. It's seven quick questions to share with you. It's for leaders to take a quick gut check on what's under the surface in their organization. Go to l12services.com quiz. You can find that link in the show notes too. Thanks for being here and subscribing to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. Please share this show with a friend or a colleague. If you're feeling especially generous, leave a review so other people like you can discover the show too. It's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, and all the major podcast directories. You can join me on social too. On Instagram, it's zen underscore rabbit. You can find links to the other platforms at zenrabbit.com. Before you go, remember to take a moment to think about what you're grateful for today. Lastly, you can find this week's meditation queued up right after this episode. And if no one's told you this week, I'm proud of you. Take good care. <laughs>